Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Well, hello again, friends. It is Gegen Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. And you join me, your host, once again. This is two in a row with Hal Stewart. That sounds like a great feature for a radio programme. Uh, I'm definitely going to do it. Guests today joining us on the podcast, the man behind the Football Grad Network, Manu Vett. Manu, it is always a joy and a pleasure to speak to you. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, hell, I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. I did an all-nighter. Um, I had this brilliant idea to do the German Cup final in Berlin and then uh, just stay awake and then take the train back to Munich the next day at six o'clock. So, yeah, uh, I'm a little tired. But good. Excellent. Really good. Sleep is so overrated. I mean, last time we spoke to you, you were in a similar position. So I don't know when you're actually going to finally take a break, but you've definitely deserved one. You'll have lots to share with us, of course, on this podcast, a podcast where I introduce the other guest today. There is just the three of us, football journalist, Liverpudlian, former member of the armed forces, Chris Williams. (laughs) Hello, Hal. How are you? Uh, I burnt my tongue on a cookie that I heated up, and I don't want to sort of over-exaggerate, but it is really, really quite painful. The roof of my mouth, that's pretty much gone. Well, you don't have a lisp, so maybe it's not <laughs> as painful as you think. If you'd gone, hello and welcome to Gegenpething, I've, I've burnt my tongues, then I'd say maybe you should go to the doctors, but you sound all right to me. No, it's because my pain threshold, as you know, having seen me in the flesh, I am a man yes. made purely, I roughly, I would guess, 85% muscle. Uh, my pain yeah. threshold, I- incredibly high. Anyway, we're not really here to talk about my well-being. Instead, it is a bit of a DFB Pokal special. But before we get to that, a bit of housekeeping. And I want to begin, Manu, by talking about the Borussia Dortmund transfer offensive because they've had a bit of a transfer blitz. Julian Brandt from uh, Leverkusen. Uh, Torgan Hazard, many people know him as being the younger brother of Eden Hazard from Gladbach, and uh, Nico Schultz from Hoffenheim, all signed last week. What can you tell us, my friend? Well, I can tell you that <laughs> um, this, this, at the absolute speed this was done with, we all kind of knew it was happening, right? And uh, we always like to do a little um, little piece on, on Fußballstadt.com introducing the new signings to the big clubs, right? And these guys were so fast that I, it was just too quick. Uh, I, I just could not keep up. It was done, 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 done. And uh, they did it with like three videos. And uh, the Schultz one was really funny because they had like a bunch of people in Dortmund say, Schultz. And then he ended up with Schultz. Haha. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, that's what I can tell you. It was done really quick. But um, I think 
what I found really interesting about these three transfers, A, and Chris, we have talked about this quite a lot, German clubs get their business done really quick. I mean, the season wasn't even done for a couple of days and they basically done probably three quarters of their transfers right there. And they did these three transfers. They sold Christian Pulisic for 64 million euros and they brought these guys in for 75. So they basically spent just an additional 11 million euros on the Pulisic money to get three players. And I had a statistic somewhere. I think they're adding something like 39 assists to this squad. Um, wow. And 39 assists, um, which is just an incredible amount. An incredible amount. And then all three players, um, their top speed is around 35 kilometers an hour. So a lot of speed, um, a lot of depth. And Julian Brandt as a player, and I, I think we should probably talk piece by piece about them, but Julian Brandt is a player that has bit more from an attacking player to um, a central midfielder under Peter Bosch, similar to what Bastian Schweinsteiger did when he played for Louis van Gaal all the way back in 2010. So I, I, it's it's an amazing piece of business. And um, yeah, it's it's incredible, the speed. I like that you used the word uh, blitz. That was a very... German stereotyping from from you. I love that. <laughs> Not intentional. Uh, by the way, when I hear the surname Schultz, uh, when I was living in Germany, I used to watch Hanover 96, as I've mentioned before, and there was a Christian Schultz that I was a really big fan of, the defender who could play centre-back or uh, left-back. How does uh, Nico compare with him? I know they play a slightly different game. Well, I can tell you they're not related. Uh, Schultz is, yeah. as you probably <laughs> I know, knew that. A, very, a very common name. Um, I, you know, it's it's interesting because Schultz is kind of started his career as a left back, and um, the under Nagelsmann, a coach that we watched quite a bit and talked about quite a bit, the the role his role changed a little bit as the Hoffenheim system is more of a three three two two or three five two or three four three, um, and that means that he plays on the left almost as a wing back left midfielder. And that means he's a lot more attacking-minded. Um, I think people that haven't seen a lot of him but have maybe seen him in a German national team where he's played quite a big role since Germany's rebuilt will probably remember that goal against the Netherlands, the winning goal, where he was quite forward. Um, you know, Marco Reus was actually kind of joking after the game that said, that's usually the position I am in and he should have been the one supplying the pass. So he's a very attacking-minded um, left-back. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see whether that means that, and this is something that we discussed last week, right, um, on this pod, whether Lucien Favre is tactically, um, is willing to change his tactics. And I think with, with this guy, they bring in a player that might mean that they could change their tactics quite significantly, as are the other two. Chris, let's talk about the other two. So a name that everyone knows is Julian Brandt. He's probably one of the most exciting of these transfers to really whet the appetite for Dortmund fans. Yeah, he is. And I think he was always going to end up at Dortmund. They were they were linked with him. He was also linked with some other sides. Bayern, there was a couple of sides in England that were interested. But I think he's spoken on record that he was happy to stay in the Bundesliga, to stay at home, stay in Germany. Family means a lot to him. Um, of course, Leverkusen and Dortmund aren't exactly miles apart, so he's going to be in a familiar area. Um, it's going to be good for him personally to make this move to Dortmund because although Bayer Leverkusen have been playing very well under Peter Bosch and you know they would have been he would have been in the Champions League with them, 
He's just going to a step above with Dortmund um, and he will be challenging for the league title this coming season. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's been exceptional attacking-wise. And Manu's already said you know, he can play centrally or he can play a little bit wider if needed. And I'm going to be really interested to see how he fits into this Borussia Dortmund system and, and maybe who has a rest occasionally. Because if you look at the attacking depth they've now got, especially with Hazard coming in at the same time, Royce is there, Gotts is there, um, Jakob Larson's there, Jaden Sancho's there, of course, Paco Alcacer's there. So there's um, a lot of forward-thinking players in Lucien Favre's squad now, and it's going to be really interesting how he manages them all because you wouldn't really say that any of them are, are worthy of being substituted for or being on the bench for a long period of games, a long run of games. They probably wouldn't like that, but they will have known where they were going and they'll have known the squad a competition. So it's going to be good. And I think for me, this sort of underlines Borussia Dortmund's ambition for the next season. Yes, they're going to be going for the title, but with a squad of this depth, I think they would expect to go a little bit further in the Champions League and certainly a lot further in the Pokal. So it's going to be very interesting watch for Dortmund fans next season. And I certainly can't wait to see how they all mould together because on paper now, and I know football's not played on paper, but on paper now, Borussia Dortmund have a really, really strong, exciting squad. Totally agree. And lucky for me being a Sheffield United fan that football is not played on paper. Otherwise, they never would have got promotion to the Premier League. Uh, for those, Chris, that uh, know a little bit about German football, but like to dip in and dip out of this podcast, they may have watched a little bit of Hazard, but they might not know exactly how he stacks up against his brother. Just to give us an idea of his all round game. Well, I think maybe you could call him Hazard Light. I mean, he, he is very good. Um, I don't quite think he's in the same um, league as his brother yet within in terms of ability to affect a game. Um, but yeah, he's he's very good on the ball. He's very quick on the ball. He can cut inside. He can he can go outside. He's very clever, very quick with his feet. Um, loves an assist, can shoot from distance, can also work the ball into the box well. Um, his main asset is assists. Um, but he can score as well. But it'll be interesting for me watching Borussia Dortmund because the the team I mostly cover for footballstat.com um, is to see how he links up with whoever's going to start centrally, if indeed it is a central striker. And is that going to be Gotts or is it going to be Alcacer? Because at the moment, um, I now feel that Dortmund have, have got the sort of attacking options they had under Thomas Tuchel under that last season when they had Dembele, Pulisic and Aubameyang, which worked so well together. I've got a feeling now with Brandt and certainly Hazard coming on that they could sort of get back into that attacking gear. So if you haven't seen much of Thug and Hazard, um, make sure you see a lot of him this season because for me, getting rid of Christian Pulisic or selling him on to Chelsea and replacing him with Hazard was always a no-brainer. I wrote an article on it um, back in January when it was first muted um, that Torgan Hazard would come in. Obviously, the deal to Chelsea was sorted in the winter because of their impending transfer ban. Um, but for me, it was an absolute no-brainer to, to let a young player who had maybe plateaued and reached his level with that club and to bring in another one from the local area again. So you're not asking... Um, him to up sticks and move a long way he's going to be very um, comfortable in the area come in and, and I think he will hit the ground running and and get more assists than he did last season which is an exceptional amount so yeah exciting times for Dortmund fans 
Manu, last week we talked on the podcast about Bayern Munich and their chances already looking ahead to next season. And I do stress, dear listener, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it was an absolute cracker. Uh, But, Manu, when you look at these signings, do you now change your opinion of how you think Bayern and Dortmund will do next season? Because this could be a much stronger challenge for the current champions. Um, I think I said last week, too, that... Um, I'm not so sure Bayern will walk away with the title like a lot of people are expecting them to because, you know, they have to first integrate the new signings that they're bringing in. And right now they haven't actually signed another attacking player. Um, There's a lot of names mentioned. I mean, the latest one is Leroy Sané. And of course, if they sign Leroy Sané, that will be a a magnificent signing, probably the signing of uh, of the year in the Bundesliga. But they have to sign him first. I mean, they've been linked with another guy from England um, that they completely and utterly failed in the end to sign. So I'm not so sure yet. It really depends who they're bringing in. And then, of course, they have to make sure that the players that are coming in, that they're actually going to work right anyway. Sané, of course, he knows a lot of the guys that he plays with at Bayern from the national team. So that'd be a very logical signing and it would be a quicker integration than, let's say, someone like Kalum Hudson Adoy, who um, he has to recover from a very significant injury first and has to learn the language, has to learn a playing style, etc. Or maybe someone else, right? So I I'm, I'm still think that these three signings that, that Dortmund made and we alluded to that a little bit last week, that they are going to be a quick um, integration for Dortmund, just as Chris said, they're from the area. They're going to very work very quickly, and I think Dortmund made um, some big, big steps towards keeping that challenge on Bayern. And I, you know, I, I spent time with Bayern uh, yesterday. I spent time with Bayern today um, at the the Bayern the Bayern two game, um, the second club that that the got promoted to the third division today. And um, you know, I had Oli Hoeneß in front of my microphone for a moment there, and. They they want the challenge. They want to be challenged in the league because you know they want to be challenged so that they can be more competitive internationally. So they, I think they're actually almost welcoming Borussia Dortmund making those signings. And I think we're going to have a very interesting race next year because of these signings. I totally agree. Really looking forward already to next season. The only problem with football is that it doesn't continue right throughout every single day. If you want more of that sort of thing, get into baseball. Now, relegation, recap. Let's talk about the games that we've already seen at time of recording. We know that Stuttgart and Union Berlin played out a two-all draw. And also at time of recording, the next match is tomorrow, Monday. So, Manu, what can you tell us about this Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2 relegation? Playoff. Uh, you know, I I am always. It's 180 minutes of fear. I had to suffer through the relegations with my club 1860 because we were in the relegation playoff from the second to the third division two years ago, and then of course from the from the fourth to the third division um, last year. No, I, I'm not getting this wrong. 1860 actually managed to drop two divisions rather than one. Um, there's a long episode about this, but yeah, I, I was in this 180 minutes of fear, um, as I call it. And I, I was very happy that I got to go to this game, Stuttgart against Union Berlin, which I thought was an excellent game. It was a really, really good game, very open game, but I didn't have to care about who's going to win it. Uh, it's a much more relaxed approach when you watch a game like that, where everything is on the line, because you basically, they play 34 games and... It then comes down to 180 minutes to decide the entire season, whether you go up or down. 
and I thought the, the game was very good. You know, there was no, there was no, no one to try to hold back. Um, they they both played very good attacking football, and I think in the end that might have hurt Stuttgart a bit more than Union Berlin because Union is now going back with with two away goals. It's two two, and all they really need to do back in Berlin is get a one one draw and. Again, Chris and I were at that stadium at the Alte Försterei. I spoke to Russ Dunbar, who does the uh, social media over at Union Berlin. He said it's a bit of a funny feeling because all of a sudden they are the favorites. And uh, yeah, they are. I mean, they are, Union Berlin are now the favorites. It's just also because of the way they played in this game, the way they approach this game. And I'm really curious to hear your opinion because uh, about this, Chris, because you watched this from the television. But for me... Um, Stuttgart every time they did get pressed and even when they got an advantage when they got when they scored their first goal right away they almost seemed to fall apart it's like they can't really keep themselves together no I, I think they were very lucky especially if if you've not seen this match um, try and watch it or at least the highlights and really I think Union Berlin um, if they don't get a positive result on Monday night they will kick themselves because they had two or three good chances to win the game, especially late on. They had two exceptional um, chances to win the game. And um, it was Zieler in goal for Stuttgart who bailed them out a couple of times. But yeah, from from the whole um, 90 minutes, I think Uni and Berlin were the better side. They missed a couple of good chances early on. They only leaked that opening goal through um, a horrendous um, deflection. But they were managed to get back on the score sheet straight away and, and equalised pretty much... Um, within side of thirty seconds, was two goals. Uh, sorry, two goals within a minute. So, I mean, that was fantastic for them to do that, especially after such a setback. But then to fall behind again, and then to to get themselves back on level terms, and then really they should have maybe pinched it towards the end. I think going into that um, home game now in that stadium, which is a wonderful stadium in the middle of a forest, hence the name of it. Um, the atmosphere will be incredible. It's um, three-sided standing stadium, so there's only one grand stand with seats in it. The rest is um, standing terrace. Um, and we were there for an end-of-season game, and the atmosphere was incredible. I can only imagine um, what it's going to be like in such a crucial playoff game um, as as that will be played tomorrow night. And, yeah, I, for once, for this season, um, especially fancy the, the lower league side to cause an upset and... I think on the whole, it wouldn't be undeserved because kept, I've kept my eye on Union Berlin and they play some good football. They were only one goal off going up automatic in the promotion and it would have been Paderborn in this playoff. But um, I think Stuttgart have had a terrible season and you saw that um, in that first leg playoff. And if you haven't seen Stuttgart at all this season and only took them on that one match that was played last Thursday, pretty much that's the whole season. Um, start quite well. Uh, and then end quite poorly. And for me, them going forward, um, they're going to lose Pavard, who's a, a fantastic player. How do they um, combat that? And I do now think, even though they're they're a big side um, and a big city side, I think that Bundesliga 2 will give them a chance to reset and, and sort some of their problems out, especially now they've changed some of the hierarchy and I think they've got the right people in place. But... Um, yeah, from watching-wise, back here in the UK, it was a great watch. I wish I was in Stuttgart, to be honest, inside the Union Berlin end. <laughs> you know, it's funny with Stuttgart. They seem to, on paper, as we discussed a little earlier, be one of these sides that should do so much better almost every season. And it just may be right that you say that they do finally 
go down. Let's wait and see. Chris, I want your opinion quite quickly on a, on a thought I had, which is I mentioned on the last podcast I did with you guys, and thank you again for inviting me back, this relegation playoff I think is really exciting. Would you ever like to see something like this integrated into, for example, uh, the English Premier League? Um, for me, no. Um, I think in England they've got the playoff system, um, which is obviously third to sixth, I think, which is um, which is England's equivalent of this. I think if they adopted the German model, it would just be um, trying to do it to recreate the excitement. I mean, if you just look at the games that have been played this weekend in England, you know, we've seen late, late goals in, in added time, in extra time. And, and today, Charlton scored very, very late on, I think it was the 93rd or 94th minute. So if you want excitement, I think the playoffs at Wembley are, are just as exciting as this. And th- this is a very German thing where you get the third place team in the lower league playing the third from bottom team in a winner takes all match of 180 minutes to hell, like Manu said. And I think England, what England does, it does very well. And I think it should continue, but it's very exciting to watch the German equivalent. I think it's great if you're not involved. <laughs> I, I, I can't stress how great the atmosphere was in Stuttgart on both ends. And it's, it's a really great show if you're not involved, but if you, and I, I saw the fans, I mean, uh, there must have been hundreds of heart attacks in that stadium, and they have another 90 minutes to go. And I, I remember when 1860 played against uh, Jan Regensburg in what we still call the Black Friday because we ended up going down. Um, there were 75,000 in the Allianz Arena, and this was for the second division side, right? These, these, these games have the tendency to mobilize a lot of people, but because they're so emotional, they can also end up in a bad way you know there was of course the fortuna dusseldorf hertha berlin game where there was riots in the stands when um when hertha ended up going down and then there was the fortuna fans thought there was an early whistle so they stormed the pitch and they had to finish the game without a penalty spot because someone stole it and then at the the 1860 game there they were throwing chairs onto the field so you know but it, it it's a very, very emotional game. And I think if you are neutral, it gives you a lot of stories as a journalist. But if you're involved, oh no, hell no. I don't want to be ever involved in a game like that ever again. <laughs> what a great scene set there for the second leg, Manu. And, and by the way, uh, St Mirren and Dundee United fans, yes, I know what's been going on for you today as well. And I'm sure Chris did, but he was just referencing England. Uh, now let's talk about uh, Bundesliga 2 and uh, Liga 3, which I hope I've said correctly without using the German numbers. Eins, zwei, I, I don't speak German. Manu, tell me about this one. Yeah, thankfully I do. So <laughs> I can tell you it's uh, eins, zwei, drei. Uh, letzte Chance vorbei. But yeah, um, Wien Wiesbaden against Ingolstadt, you know, Ingolstadt is a funny one because when we started this podcast, they were still in the Bundesliga and they were one of those small little clubs that do quite well. And it shows you, it's a, it's a, another example, um, just like Paderborn that went back up to the Bundesliga after going all the way down to the fourth and all the way back up to the first, um, how integrated the three divisions can be in German football. You can drop really quickly 
um, down, but you can go also up very fast. The, the, the integration between the three top divisions is very tight, and that's because the top two only have 18 teams, and then the third has only 20, right? There is not a lot of room for error. And I think with Ingolstadt, they are a very, very good side. The Dutch just had a bunch of poor results and ended up in the third spot. Actually, they had to drag themselves out, out of a direct relegation spot, um, and they leapfrogged um, Magdeburg. Um, we went straight down um, to get this chance and I think they're very much in the driver's seat now if you win 2-1 on the road and then you go get to go back to Ingolstadt to play the second leg after having won the first leg being the upper division side and Wien um, Wiesbaden can actually not play with one of their players because he's out on loan from Ingolstadt so I, I think they pretty much have this. What I, I think the real interesting story is that a club like Ingolstadt, very well run in the capital um, of Audi, you know, Audi headquarters are in Ingolstadt, and yet, you know, you can drop so quickly. And this is the second story that we have this season where we see a club that could be very well a Bundesliga side, but is possibly 90 minutes away from Liga 3. And I, that's, I think that's one of the great things about German football is that's like the quick drop and the quick rise. couple of seasons, you can be all the way on the top, but you can also face the relegation to the fourth division if you're unlucky. Yeah, it's a good point. Liga dry, he makes notes. By the way, uh, I was walking a little earlier today uh, when I wasn't on the phone to you, Manu, uh, with a lovely lady who teaches German, and she said Pokal means trophy. So there we are. I'm learning constantly as we go through. And uh, also, at the same time as that, I was nearly run over by a hearse, which sort of explains how they make their money. So let's talk about the Pokal, which is the DFB Pokal final. And Chris, I want to bring you in at this juncture. We had RB Leipzig against Bayern Munich and talk us through exactly what happened on another special night from Berlin. Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yes, it was. Unfortunately, this was the first um, Pokal that I've not been to uh, in the last couple of years. So I was hoping to get a hat-trick of tickets. Um, I missed out on that. But I watched it via the power of YouTube. Um, Eleven Sports had the original rights for it, Hal, but they gave it back um, under that umbrella when they handed back loads of rights. And the DFB, thankfully broadcasted it for free on YouTube. So I hope everybody who listens to this podcast got to see it because um, mm. it was broadcast throughout the world on YouTube if there was no rights in your country. So 
Um, I'm hoping people did see it, but if you didn't see it, a recap would be um, that RB Leipzig missed a wonderful opportunity to beat Bayern Munich. Um, I thought Leipzig were the better side for the first half. Um, I thought they missed a couple of real good chances. Manuel Neu made a wonderful save, by the way, um, point-blank save to stop them taking the lead. But then I feel... Poulsen um, missed a couple, Forsberg missed a, a sitter, really, um, for someone of his ability later on, um, which came back to haunt Leipzig because Bayern went on and, and controlled the game. And I think for me watching this, um, and I've watched Bayern a few times this season, well, I've watched them pretty much every game, but in live, I've seen them quite a number of times. And when they've been pressed, uh, they've gone a, one of two ways. They've either fallen apart or they've finally got their act together. And and this was another reason, I think, why I'm, I'm glad they won it and Kovac will stay on next season because they've developed under him. And even though they were only 1-0 up at half-time and it still looked a little bit shaky, they were able to ride that out and, and go on and score three goals. And really, I think, looking back on it now, and Bayern fans will probably wonder how it wasn't four, even five. Um, a massive learning curve for RB Leipzig. I spoke to Manu whilst the game was on and said possibly the happiest man associated with Leipzig would be Julian Nagelsmann because imagine trying to fill Ralph Ragnick's shoes after getting the, into the Champions League and winning the DFB Pokal. That would be a serious pair of shoes to fill. Um, now he just has to um, cope with the Champions League and not with being a, a Pokal um side to look after so yeah I think Leipzig fans will be very disappointed um, and yeah Bayern fans will well I'd be interested to hear from Bayern fans because it wasn't that long ago um, especially those from outside of Germany and I know we have a lot of North American listeners uh, were wanting Kovac to be sacked um, I've always said that he's the right man and I think going and winning the double has helped and I think now personally I think he will just go on um, from strength to strength with Bayern and he'll be looking at next year's Champions League as something to, to improve on and maybe trying to get to the semi-final or even go all the way to Istanbul. So, um, yeah, Leipzig will be disappointed, I think, bitterly disappointed because when they had the chance to turn up, I think they looked a little bit lost in the in the moment, in the situation, their first Pokal. They're only nine years old as a club um, and I think Bayern were the opposite of that. They were able to draw on all their experience from all the competitions they played on. And in the end, they, they were um, runaway winners, um, scoring three great goals at three great times. And I'll probably leave Manu to describe Kingsley Coman's goal because he was there in the stadium. Yeah, and I was off my feet. <laughs> wow, what a goal that was. And, uh, you know, I, I put that one down as the, the goal that decided the match because it did break. Leipzig um, it really did and the manner of fashion that it scored um, I think I described it as in with with one touch he created the, the the space and the time to to put away the ball because he did it it, it was almost like he created space time and out of nothing and it, it was just such a wonderful goal and it really got you know most most people in the press box um, were off the feet unless they were you know the Leipzig staff they didn't like that goal very much, but yeah, it's I'm I'm actually glad Chris that you bring up a couple of these these things because um, you know the goal was one thing that I noticed and the the fact that um, Bayern really 
with Stutter pressure, there's an interesting stat out there that before they scored the goal, the pressing, the pressing complete, uh, passing completion was 74%. And after they scored that goal, it was 84. They really grew into this game and really grew into confidence once they did score that goal. And um, I th really think that the players, although not all of them are big fans of Kovac, they're all of starting to buy into the way he wants to play them football. And you can see that. And a lot of it is, you know, Romanigo and Hernes internally have maybe criticized it as safety football. But when you are a coach and you come in, the first thing you want to get right is your defense because you build your entire team on that. First you build your defense and then you build on everything else. And I think you can, you can see that in his progression. And then the other thing that you pointed out, um, we have a lot of North American listeners. We have a lot of listeners from around the world. Um, and I always see a big difference between the reaction by Bayern fans from abroad and Bayern fans from Bayern, from Bavaria, um, on how they how they react to Niko Kovac. And um, you chatted to me about this. Look at how they are greeting um, Kovac in the Bayern end of the stadium. You know, now when you're in the Olympia Stadium, each end, each uh, side of the stadium is... Um, devoted to one set of fans, right? They like split the stadium pretty much into half. And they were they were supporting Kovac and you saw the same after they won the championship. Um you saw the same after a bunch of the games. They the fans that go to the games in Munich, go to the games in Berlin, you know, the locals, they are completely behind this coach. And I think we we pretty much after the game was over, begrudgingly maybe got the confirmation from Rummenigge as well that, you know, Kovac is our coach and we're going to go forward with him. Well, Kovac, the right man, as definitely Chris thinks. You mentioned Manu Rummenigge has given in, confirmed the coach. But Manu, Kovac being the right man is, is an opinion. But really, with Bayern and the power that they have and all that they have at their disposal, does it even really matter who's in charge? Yeah, it does. Um, you make a very fair point. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that said with the squad winning those two titles is the minimum. But we had coaches in the past. We all remember Carlo Ancelotti um, did not quite work out so well. Even Jupp Heynckes last season did not win the cup. It's not that easy. The rest of the league has gotten better. This, this side has been in transition, and I, I stick with that. will be in transition next year as well. And it's not easy to come into a dressing room that has won everything. Um, remember one year ago, Chris and I did a podcast where we said, Kovac needed to win the cup last year to walk into the dressing room and say to some of these older players, look, I might be a young coach, but I beat you guys in that final and we have to change things. And that entire first half of the season seemed to be this internal war between Kovac and some of the senior players on how the side has to be built because he had to manage phasing out Arjen Robben, phasing out Frank Ribéry, phasing out Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng. And we, we learned today that Boateng is likely going to leave the club. Mats Hummels might eventually to and have to bring in these younger players, play uh, Serge Gnabry all the time, play Kingsley Coman, give Alfonso Davies enough minutes so he can develop. That's not an easy thing to do. And he did all of that. And Rummenigge, uh, Hoeneß went on a show on uh, Doppelpass in February and said we would even be willing to give up the Bundesliga title for this rebuild. Look, they didn't even have to do that. They won it anyways. And uh, I think with this in mind, yes, um, 
does it matter who's the coach? I think if you have a working side, so when Pep Guardiola came in and took over from your Pinkers, yeah, I, I think it didn't really matter who was the coach. This was the best team in the world. You know, they, they probably uh, would have won anyways. But if you come into the situation right now, it's very different. And I personally think, and I think I said this a couple of times in this podcast, I do think that Nico Kovac is the right man for this job. Well, he's going to have to get some players in because we discussed that last time. And actually, even if uh, one or two areas don't need reinforcing, there's always room to improve your strike force. Timo Werner, Manu, is a player that Bayern like the look of. Also, Man City fans, listen in. Leroy Sane, I mean, I can't personally see that one happening. And Dortmund were quite keen on Callum Hudson-Odoi. Then, of course, Chelsea said, oh, no, 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 no. He's definitely ours. And actually, with that transfer ban for Chelsea, it's unlikely they'll be letting anyone go. But what's the likelihood, Manu, of any of those transfers actually happening? So I spoke to Oliver Menzlaff, the CEO of Leipzig. There has been lots of talks that are deal with Timo Werner is done, that they have been talking, that there's offers. And he said yesterday that they're still trying to renew his contract, that there's no offers from Bayern. Uh, Rangnick also said that he is not even entirely sure Bayern want the player. Um, this could all be, you know, these are statements, these are public statements. So we don't know what they mean. Uh, they could They could also just mean like make an offer or leave it, right? I think internally the fact that they're going after Leroy and Sané and are willing to spend in the region of 80 million euros for him, maybe possibly more, I can't see them sign Sané and Werner um, on a personal level. I, I'd be shocked. I mean, you know, they've already spent 135 million euros on on the, the defenders and um, to spend 80 plus possibly another 40, that would be another 120 and then possibly another 40 on Hudson Odoi because Hudson Odoi is still supposed to come in. Uh, that's a lot of money even for Bayern. I mean, we're talking in the region of close to 300 million, and then they, they're wanting to sign maybe Kai Havertz next year as well. That's a lot of money. Um, so I think, um, I think them going after Leroy Sané is maybe telling um, towards Timo Werner whether that deal is as watertight as many thought I'm not so sure anymore. It'll be fascinating to see. And this is what we love. The only great thing about the uh, postseason is that kind of excitement around transfers. And you can sort of talk amongst friends about who you would like your team to sign. And then there can be one or two that come out of the blue. But I think Timo Werner out of those three is the, the most likely and actually would be a, a wonderful addition for Bayern. But time will tell. And uh, Manu, what about Leipzig? What will they take away from this? I mean, it looks on paper like a hammering. <laughs> well, Chris is quite right. It, uh, the first 30 minutes, they were very good. And uh, Kovac admitted that in the press conference. And uh, Ralf Rangnick was very frustrated. He said that if you have uh, three major ch chances and you don't score, um, you don't deserve to win the title. I think that pretty much sums it up. You know, they just they didn't convert their chances. I'm thinking in particular the one where Emil Forsberg went one one we won with Manuel Neuer and failed to put that away. I, I actually think, and I, I remember, Chris, I, I wrote to you that very moment, I think that team Werner would have probably put that away um, because uh, he, he bends it around with his left foot rather than uh, Forsberg trying to use his right. So I think, you know, the, the, the result was, was harsh, um, but I think it will be a very good learning process for Leipzig because for about 30 minutes, they were the better side. And until the second goal went in by Koeman that decided the game, 
I think it was a 50-50 match with chances on both sides. And, you know, Bayern put away their chances and Leipzig didn't. And football can be that simple, that cruel. And um, I think it was also maybe the experience that Bayern then had. And, yeah, I, I think that's the one thing that they're really going to take away from this is the, is the fact that um, this was a great learning experience for them. And then the next time they, they, will, they will do better. And Manu, you actually got some reaction as well. Yeah, I did speak to Tyler Adams. Of course, Tyler Adams is a player that we focused on qu- quite a bit um, because he is U.S. national team player. He came in from MLS, made the jump to the Bundesliga in January, and he's done fantastically well to make that transition, a lot better than people expected. Um, he, he sat out six games of an injury in the second half of the season, but he started on match day 34, and he started in this final. So I did speak about um, did speak to him about his first half season, um, his how he felt his transition to the Bundesliga, and of course the upcoming Gold Cup. So let's listen and uh, hear what he had to say. Your first big game, first cup final in Europe. How did it feel? If you had 64, about 64 minutes in this game. Uh, just describe what was the feeling like to play out there. Uh, tremendous experience. You know, these are games that you know not everyone gets an opportunity to play in. So it's unfortunate not to get the result that we wanted. But um, you know, for me to to get the opportunity to play in such a game like that, I mean, sometimes you just open your eyes and you're like, wow, like I'm really you know in this situation. So um, it was a great experience. You have struggled a little bit of injuries in the second half of the season. Now coming back, you played the last game, the match day 34. Mm-hmm. Now this match. Um, you know, how did it feel to, to get come back from an injury like this and then, you know, play the final match of the of the Bundesliga season and then this game? Yeah, it was good because, you know, obviously the, the coach believed in me to after the last game of the season um, to to get a, an opportunity to play in this game. So um, for me, you know, obviously it's important to stay healthy and continue to grow, but um, it was important to get those last two games for sure. Going into the summer, Gold Cup is next. <clears throat> what kind of experience, you know, how important is this experience today to take into the Gold Cup? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different scenario. I think that whenever you get the opportunity to play with the national team, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, putting that jersey on, it's, it's a huge honor. So I think that, um, you know, for myself, it's going to be my first major games, really, in a competitive tournament with the national team. So I'm excited. So tremendous first year mm-hmm. for Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Um, going into next year, what do you take from this this half season and going into the next season? Yeah, I mean, it was good to, to get out and, you know, play a, a half of a season with, with this team and I think that next year it's going to be about a full season how I can manage myself and continue to grow and obviously under a new coach and um, and new philosophy most likely then we're going to have to change some things but continuing to grow is the most important thing for me that's actually an interesting question how big of a difference was the philosophy because you went from run Red Bull own team yeah there was no difference in these two philosophies so um, maybe a new coach you don't know what he's going to bring yet um, so obviously making a good impression so that I can continue to play here great thank you well, thank you very much for uh, speaking with him, Manny, on behalf of the podcast. And Chris, I want your thoughts on just how far away RB Leipzig are actually from challenging Bayern Munich. And if they do continue to sell, as we've been discussing, that they might well do, if they're ever even going to get up there. I think they're about three months away from challenging um, Bayern for the title. Uh, I, I think, and I've said this on a number of occasions, I think it'll be a three-way fight next season. Um Julian Nagelsmann is an exceptional coach. You know, he rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. Um, he can be quite abrasive um, and he can be quite short in his temperament, but you can't argue with his coaching ability. Um, and I think he's coming into a Leipzig side that are um, blessed with real talent, especially attacking-wise. 
Um, and I think that's something that his sides do very, very well. They attack well. They attack quickly. Um, the only um, the only problem I think he may have is Hoffenheim were very, very leaky. Uh, lost track of the amount of times I covered them last season in the Champions League um, and said that if they could defend a bit better, they would have gone a lot further. Um, they seem to be very good at being 1-0 down, going 2-1 up and then drawing 3-3. Um, that's really not that good for a title charge. But what I do think is I think he's got a better back four and a better goalkeeper um, when he gets to Leipzig. So maybe his tactics will be a little bit more suited because the personnel he'll have a, a little bit more improved on what he's been used to. So um, I, I do genuinely think, Al, and that's not me being flippant, I think they're three months away, um, as in the new season starting, from challenging for the title. And I think they'll have learnt a lot um, from this Pokal experience and I think we have to look back to Frankfurt who were beaten by um, Borussia Dortmund the other year uh, and then went back the following season and won the Pokal um, last season with Niko Kovac. I think Leipzig will have the possibility of doing that um, next season with Julian Nagelsmann. Um, so yeah, I think they will be in a title fight but uh, uh, most likely um, I think will be a, a Pokal victory for them and I have said a number of times on this podcast that I get worried for sides going into Europe because they're not used to the um, the, the routine of playing midweek in Germany. There's very few midweek games. That's why it's got its own title of English week. Um, but I think Leipzig have done enough European adventures now to be able to balance that. So I'm hoping for a three-way fight next season. Well, if they lose Timo Werner, I'm not sure I agree. Chris, I have a question for you. What happens first? Leipzig win the Bundesliga Liverpool win the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool will win the Premier League next season with Jurgen Klopp. OK, that's interesting. I love getting these kind of predictions from you. And uh, Manu, not the only cup final. We, we talk about cups. It was also, and I, I have to say, if you say anything quickly and with confidence, it sounds like you're saying it correctly. So I'm taking a run up at this. The Tag de Amateur. Well done. Thanks. Very well done. Yes, it was Tag de Amateur. But that that's fine. Um, so I yeah, got it that's... wrong, basically, is what you're saying. No, no you said not. it right, but you said it in French. Yeah. <laughs> I blatantly did. <laughs> uh, no, you you used the single level, and it should be the plural. But that's that's totally fine. I mean, uh, you did really well. It's not an easy language, and uh, you know, speaking a second language is always very difficult, as I know myself. No, it's it's talked amateur, and I, I I like to point this out because every once in a while we do bring in um, something you know, from from the lower reaches of German football. And I think this is a great occasion to do it because we don't have a ton of Bundesliga games to go through. So instead we have, uh, yeah, 19 uh, regional cup games finals to go through because that's what the Tag der Amateur is. It's the day um, when the regional cup finals are played. And the regional cup finals, you may ask, why are they important? Well, they're very important because think of it, um, Chris, help me out with this one. It's the third round of the cup when the amateur sides can meet the Premier League sides, right? Yeah, that's correct. So um, this this competition in the regional finals is equivalent in England to um, the draw for the third round. If you can get through the second round and you can get yourselves into the draw for the third round of the FA Cup, you could be going somewhere um, like a Premier League side. So for these German sides that are getting through, they could go and play someone significant and... I think we look back at this competition that's just ended where Ulm 
um, put out Frankfurt, who were the holders in the very first round last season. So those teams do have an ability to uh, to play big, um, to be play big names. And in fact, the winners, um, the the winners themselves, Bayern, you know, just about got through a number of small sides. So I think these competitions are really important. Yeah, and um, it's actually, you know, quite a lot of teams have to qualify for that round. So the Bundesliga sides, of course, they all qualify for the first round of the German Cup, which is the equivalent of the third round in the FA Cup, right? Um, but the, so do the Bundesliga two sides, and so do the first four teams in Liga 3, right? They qualify, and then the winner of the Bavarian League in this year, that doesn't count because Bayern 2 won it. The second teams cannot qualify for the German Cup. Um, they usually won it. That's how 1860 qualified last year um, for the German Cup because they won the Bavarian League and were essentially Bavarian champions. Um, one of the few titles that club ever won. But um, so that's basically um, the, the foundation. The rest has to come from these regional cups. So you saw, for example, Karlsruhe, they had to play in the regional cup. Yes, they did qualify through the league standing. So I believe that spot will go to Waldhof Mannheim. But you see other sides like Kaiserslautern. They had to win the regional cup to be in the first round of the cup. This is a third division side. Of course, a huge giant back in the day. We see Hansa Rostock, a team that has won the East German Cup. They won the mecklenburg Vorpommern Cup against FC Greif um, to reach the... The first round of the German Cup, uh, Hallischer FC, another side from East Germany, um, Saarbrücken, you know, they won the Saarland competition to get there. Ulm, uh, they, can, they can once again maybe beat a title holder. They won the Württemberg Cup um, and they are going to be once again in the first round. And then, of course, 1860 did not win the Bavarian Cup. Uh, they will not be in the German Cup next year because they lost to Victoria Schaffenburg in the semifinal, who in turn lost to... Würzburger kickers. I could go through this list. There's some fantastic names in there. Um, I, you know what I should do because that list is is right in front of your eyes. I think we should, Chris. What do you think of this? We should pick a couple of them and let Hall pronounce them. I think it'd be quite funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we should. Um, yeah, definitely. That sounds um, mean. No, no, no. That sounds like you know we should always develop our own personnel. So it's a good bit of training and leadership and development. So yeah. But let's call it put Hal on the spot. Hal on the spot. There you go. I mean, mm, there's one that I already like the look of, which is uh, VFB Germania Hal Birchstad versus Hallescher FC. <laughs> uh, I couldn't really, I couldn't really lose there. And uh, Hallescher won two 0 Yeah, that's okay. So it's Germania. Uh, you did quite well. And it's Halberstadt. Uh... <laughs> But it was close enough. What do you think? How about the two teams that played in the Niedersachsen Cup? Of course, um, you spent some time in Hannover, right? Um, so that would be your neck, former neck of the woods. Um, yeah, how, how, how about you pronounce those two for me, Hal? Okay, so you've got, obviously, TUS Bursenbrook against SV Atlas Delmenhorst and yeah, that was pretty good. Delman Horse winning 3-2, obviously. That was expected. Yeah, that was good. It's uh, Bersenbrück, but yeah. Um, uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> some of those names are even difficult for me. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I mean, there's another one I'm going to have a, a, a real long run-up at in uh, Victoria 
Aschaffenburg versus FC Versberger Kickers. Yeah, 2 0 to the Kickers. I can't believe you didn't go for um, FSV Pusenbad Langeslaser versus FSV Wacker. You've got to get a Wacker in, or Wacker, Wacker Nordhausen. 5 0 as well, big stuff. Yeah, thankfully, Preußenbad Langensalzer are not in the DFB Pokal. Could you imagine having to write a preview on that if they draw Bayern and uh, it wouldn't even fit in the in the headline? Well, Manu, I have to turn the table on you because I mentioned I spoke to a German teacher a little earlier and she said there is a film that uh, she always finds when she's speaking to people from Germany that they struggle to say. And I want you to try and say the title of it. Now, I know that you actually spend most of your time now uh, in an area where you will probably be able to pick this up quite easily and this won't work, but I'll have a go anyway. It is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie set in a jungle can you, I'm sure Chris knows the one I'm talking about, can you tell me the name, it's one word, of that film? Predator? Ah, oh, that didn't work at all. She said that most Germans <laughs> say predator. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? <laughs> it, I, I, I assume it is. <laughs> Great, as per usual, I'm left the one looking a little bit silly, but I found that absolutely fascinating, and I won't repeat it again. It's the amateur thing that Manu was explaining, and uh, I thought he explained it exceptionally well. Chaps, before we disappear, because it's been a slightly condensed gag-impressing podcast for this week, is there anything you'd like to leave us with, Manu? Yeah, it's the, the end of the season. Um, I spent today at the Bayern Amateure and had a wonderful time at the Grünwalder Stadion, so I think this is a really good good way to wrap it all up um they reached the the third division which um 1860 a lot of 1860 fans are going to be unhappy about because it means that the second team of Bayern are now in the same division than 1860 i think it gives us another city derby i love city derbies and it's it's a little bit of a replacement for that but i also got to spend some um like also all the Bayern players after they did their celebrations at the marineplatz came over to the grünwalder stadion and hung out at the press tribune to watch the game, um, the Bayern amateur game, and see them get promoted over Wolfsburg. And Wolfsburg actually won the first legs 3-1, and uh, Bayern managed to turn that around and win at home at the Grünwalder Stadium 4-1 and got promoted. And I actually, then after the game, I spoke a little bit with Oli Hoeneß about Alfonso Davies, and I got a um, good five minutes with Alfonso Davies as well. And there's going to be a feature article on this particular match on prosoccerusa.com. So if you're interested in um, that particular experience and a wonderful day out at your uh, Grünwalder Stadion, if you're a Bayern fan, um, that will be uh, something you should check out. Manu, your life is so interesting. That just sounds brilliant. I'll have to check that out. And uh, Chris Williams, any final thoughts from you? Uh, no. So this podcast has come just a little too early. Both Manu and I have some very exciting news uh, regarding summer work, but we can't release it just as yet. But there's just a it's little a cherry for you to <laughs> nibble on until we can release it. A little cherry for you to nibble on. I'm not sure that's a saying, but uh, I like it nonetheless. Uh, thank you very much. Gagan pressing the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I've been your host this week, Hal Stewart, and I thank Manu Vett and Chris Williams. <laughs> Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, 
als gäbe es ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.